listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Awesome, awesome. I hope you've got your journals with you today. I hope you've got your notebooks with you today. Because I'm telling you right now, we are going to give you information that is going to change your life. Say with me, change my life. That's what God's Word promises to do. And I truly believe that today we're going to give you information that's going to change your life. We've been talking about XO, hugs and kisses, how to love, how to lead in relationships God's way. Because man has a way, but God has a better way. We've been looking at how there's myths of love. And we've exposed the myths, we've broke the myths, so what? We can begin to live the dream. So last week we talked about how we can what to our dream? How we can commit to our dream. Amen. Come on. No one heard me last week? I mean, come on now. How we can what to our? We can commit. And today we're going to talk about how we can speak to my dream. The commitment to my dream. And I would love to recap more of the last few weeks, but I want to jump straight in this message because I really want to prepare some space that we can pray at the end because I believe there's going to be a great time for us just to pray and get things right. I like how Dr. Emerson, Love and Respect, presents communication. He says it this way. Are you ready? He says it's not even really communication, but it's mutual understanding. It's not just what I say. That's what a lot of people equate communication to, that they hear what I say. But it's not just hearing what's being said. It's having an understanding to what is being said. And that's what makes the difference. The example could be put someone who speaks Spanish in a room with someone who's Korean and try and tell them to order off a menu. They're going to struggle. Why? Because there's no mutual understanding. They're speaking a different language, which is where we find ourselves many times in relationships, in our marriage, with our children. We speak a different language. We think we're telling them what needs to be done, but what they're hearing and understanding is different. And that's why we get frustrated. So we don't want just communication. We want to find that mutual understanding. And we need to learn to communicate and hear each other's love language. Because when there is communication and mutual understanding, there will be communion. And where there is communion, there'll be connection. And that's what relationships want to be, connected. Not just talked about, but walked out in our lives. And this is not just for marriage. Everything we've been teaching you is not just for marriage. 
It's for your relationships. It's for your future relationships. It's for your reaction with your children, your home, your workmates, those around you. These are principles that will work in every area of our lives. Look at this. Here's a great statement. Ready? It's better to listen to understand than speak to be understood. If we could just apply that, the ratio two to one, two ears to one mouth, it would be a whole lot better if we listened to understand more instead of speaking just to be understood. And I just want you to know from the beginning of this message, I have been totally convicted by this as I have sat down and prepare it, as I have read over it already today, the conviction of God is still heavy in my life. Why? Because God has and is exposing many flaws and lacking in my life, in my words and in what I am saying that I speak. And I just want you to know I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress too. But I'm always open. I don't preach any or teach any messages to you that God is not dealing with me in. Because that would be hypocrisy if I'm standing up here like I've arrived. I'm arriving just like you. I have problems with my mouth and what I say just like you do. I have struggles just like you. We're in this together. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we're in this together. And there's a confidence and there's a good feeling with that, isn't it? Because the enemy wants to isolate you and make you think you're alone. So when you're alone, you don't want to talk about your problems because you think you're the only one that's dealing with them. Can we just have a big council session today? Can we say we've all got problems? But God is dealing with them and allow his conviction to change you, to transform you, to renew you. Because relationships, marriage, homes, families, workplaces are failing all around us. And it's because we're going about it the wrong way, the world's way instead of God's way. Romans 12, 1 and 2 again. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you from the New Living Translation to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be, your body be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable because this is truly worship to Him. Do not copy the behaviors or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Can someone say amen? Come on, God. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. By changing the way that you think. Remember, we talked about this last week. I'm so glad God doesn't just say, do this. That, that's religion. Religion says, if you do that, then you'll get this. God doesn't say just do this. God instructs us of what to do, but he comes inside of us with his power and his presence and help to give us the ability to do what he asks us to do. He doesn't just point and say, do it. He comes in and enables us. Big difference now that we're not doing it on our own. So when we turn around and say, I can never do that, we are discrediting the fact that God inside of us can enable us to do anything in our lives. Come on, with God, we're a majority, not a minority. We're the head and we're not the tail. Read on in verse 2. Then you will know God's will. You will learn to know God's will for 
you. God's will for your marriage. God's will for your relationships. God's will for your children, your home and your future. Which I want you to know, God's will is just spelled out right here. That which is good, pleasing and perfect. That's God's will for you. That you would have good relationships. They would be pleasing. Come on, that they would be perfect. That's God's plan and that's God's will for your life. So how can we have good, perfect, pleasing communication? Let's go on a journey today. And again, the warning signs flash into this. This message is very practical. But this message is going to be very painful. Practical, yet very painful. Why? Because I truly believe it's going to hit some sore spots. But remember, this message is for you, not for them. I said it's for you, not for them. Reminds me of a story of a pastor. Every Sunday, he was trying to get through to one guy in his congregation. This guy was the biggest sinner, the biggest heathen. And every week, he was saying, man, I've got to get through to this guy. So when he was preaching, he was preaching to the congregation. But really, he was speaking to that guy. And that guy would be amening. And every service, that guy would come up and say, good word, pastor. And, And it was never getting through to him. So one day there was a big snowstorm and when the pastor shows up for church, there's only one other person in the church. And it's him and that man. That man lived next door to the church. The pastor's like, praise God. God, we're going to get him this Sunday. So, so he says, and he stands up there and he preaches like the church is full and he's having that personal word with that guy. And, the, and he's so excited as the guy approaches him at the end of the church and he's like, praise God, he's going to get it. And he goes, pastor, that was one of the best words that I have ever heard. Wow, what a challenging word. I just wished everyone was here today to hear it. You see how we can miss from God? Because we want everyone else to hear something that God wants to speak into your life. So this is for you today. You you may be able to say, well, yeah, it's for them too. But it's more for you than it is for them. Because when it comes to proper communication, we're not getting a real good example from the world. People are connecting more than ever, yet communication is worse than ever. And we're seeing that all around us. It's almost to the point that a lot of communication now is almost dehumanizing situations. There's no feeling with it anymore. We've lost the emphasis of who we're speaking to, that it's a soul and a person because it's so easy just to text it or just to post it without even any repercussions or thinking of anything that's come back. But we've got to realize today our words are powerful. The words we speak are powerful. The words we type and text are powerful. Because whether we speak them or text them, they are still words that carry a massive weight with them. So let's go on a journey today. Communication has four different levels. Researchers have told us that there are actually four levels of communication. The first level is surface communication. I hope you're taking notes with this. Come on, take notes. The first one is surface communication. That's like the, hey, how you doing? Just in passing as you're walking by someone and, and their response will be, hey, fine, how are, how are you? It's just a very surfacey communication. Never really meant for real communication. No depth. It's just cliches, well wishes, greetings. And for some of these, they don't even have to be verbal. It can be just a nod. It can be a smile. It can be a wave of a hand. That's surface communication. 
And digitally, the world that we live in right now predominantly lives here. This is the communication that the world has now, very surfacy, very no depth and no real substance to it. Listen, let me say it this way. We live in a time of such interaction, but little, what? Communication. Such interaction. Everyone's connected with everyone, but so little quality, depth, information. Hey, if you don't believe me, just talk to your kids. They can be on their phones texting people for three hours. And then you ask them something important about that conversation, like, well, what time do we have to meet them? And they're like, I don't know. Well, hold on a second. You've just been talking for three hours texting. You haven't thought to ask the important things. That's the society that we live in, very surface. Very just no depth. Then there's the second, which is what's general information. General information, unfortunately, is where most homes and marriages live, where they exist. General information being passed along. I'll be home late tonight. Will you pick up some milk on the way home? The kids have a game tonight. Just the general information that goes. Passing information with no depth. I call it knowledge, but no understanding. You know, but you really don't understand what's going on. The third level is deep feelings. Deep feelings. Where you get beneath the surface and we begin to be able to express our feelings to others. Did you know people have feelings? You have feelings. And what do we know about feelings? They're not always right, but they're always real. Come on, feelings can lie to us. Our feelings can many times. But whether they lie or not, they're still real to us. We can even have wrong feelings, knowing that they're not right, but they're still our feelings. And it's something that we still feel. Again, doesn't make it right, but it's what we feel. And many times people don't have a safe place to express them out of fear of correction, being misunderstood, told they are crazy. And here's where pink and blue struggles to commute, male and female. Why? Because ladies want to what? They want to talk to connect. They want to move towards to connect. They want to come to their own solution while you just listen. Where men, we tend to be problem solvers. We just want to solve a situation. So when they come moving to connect to us, that's their connection time. We're just ready to go in solution mode. And really what we do with that, we push them away and say, your feelings really aren't important to us. So guys, here's a great line for you to learn. Are you ready? When your wife or whoever it may be comes to you and they want to speak to you, say this, do you want a solution or do you just want me to listen right now? Now, we're going to get probably to the same place. And I know what you're thinking, guys. Well, we could have got there 30 minutes before now. But guess what happens is they are being able to voice their feelings and a lady is much like a wheel. She'll start talking, she'll spider web, but she'll end up bringing it all the way back around to a solution. She doesn't need you to solve it, she just needs you to listen. Come on, all the ladies are clapping in the house. This is a level of communication that we need to. And those feelings must be expressed because if they're not expressed to you, They're going to find someone else who's going to listen. And that's dangerous. 
That's dangerous when they find someone outside of your relationship and your home that will listen to them. You see, facts can be questioned, but feelings are real. And we must create a place where they can be expressed and not just judged. I've talked with Josh about this in our student life ministry. I was reading a book called Lasting Impact. And in that book, they discuss seven conversations that will help your church grow. And one of the conversations in there, number five, was why are so many young adults walking away from church? And one of the main reasons they cited in this book, and I believe it, is because many young people are walking away from church because they cannot express their doubts safely. They're having some struggles and they feel they can't talk about it with other people because people won't understand. They cannot express their doubts safely. And it's not the doubt that's toxic, but it's when it remains unexpressed that it becomes toxic for their faith. So what do we want to do? We want to create in our church, areas and places, a safe, non-judgmental, personal, authentic environment where others can express their feelings. And that's one of the main reasons on a Saturday morning, Kelly and I are going to be sitting down. Come and express, come and tell, off the record, what, what's going on? A lot of people see me behind the pulpit. I want them to see me just hanging out around a coffee table with them so they can be open just to share and we can be open about our lives too. Also with small groups, we have with our young men and women. Why? Because it gives them the opportunity not to be preached to all the time, but to be able to ask the questions in reference to what has been preached and what has been taught. And we don't just do that in youth. We do that in our children's ministry too. And the last is this. The level number four is deepest needs. Any relationship will be at its best when you have an understanding of each other's deepest needs. In the Love and Respect series, we were taught to ask this question, is it okay that your spouse has a need that you do not have? Is it okay that someone else has a need different to yours? I want to say it one more time. Is it okay that someone else can look at things, see things, need things that are different to what you see or need for your life? The answer is yes, 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 yes. Of course, that's okay that someone else has a different need to you. But we've got to be very careful because when it's a need that we don't have, when it's something that we're not lacking in, it can sometimes be a struggle for us to recognize that need in someone else. And begin to understand that they need something that I don't. So therefore, if we don't recognize it and see it because we don't need it, we won't give it and they won't receive it. And then their deepest need is never met. And if their deepest need is never met, resentment, retaliation, revenge, all these things will begin to fester and grow inside of them. If you haven't noticed in any relationship, there's more than just you involved. There's another person. There's someone else. So if you're just getting your needs met and you're happy and everything's great, what about them? Because I'm telling you, one wins in a relationship, both lose. Both win in a situation or a relationship, both win. 
And we've got to begin to meet each other's needs. And when we don't, even if we don't say it, we can begin to express to them their feelings are not important to us. Because to meet each other's need is to unlock each other's hearts. And if you unlock each other's heart, you will receive every need that you will ever need. Come on, you receive everything that you ever need in your life if you unlock that other person's heart. I wonder today, especially those of you who are married, I wonder if you were to sit down with your spouse and do this object lesson when you get home and say, okay, I'm going to sit down and write down what I think your five deepest needs are and you're going to write down what my five deepest needs are. I wonder how many out of that five you would really know. I'm telling you right now, you better know every five of those. Come on, you better know every one of that five. But how do we know many times if we're not being allowed to express those? We need to create an environment, a deep level of communication where we can express our needs. And that's going to mean that you're going to have to open up yourself and become vulnerable to that person. But that's okay. Because when that person truly loves you, They're not going to destroy you or use it as ammunition against you. And that's why, listen to me, watch who you open up to. I'm not talking now about marriage because you need to open up to your spouse. But I'm talking about when you're dating people, watch who you're opening up to, how fast you're opening up. Because there's some parts of your life that only that special people need to be a part of. And don't, just guard your heart, guard your heart. You know, I noticed something on Wednesday. We did a Q&A night, and it was fantastic. Some incredible questions. But you know what I noticed the theme of most of the questions was? What about me? What about me? I'm feeling disrespected. I'm feeling unloved. I'm feeling hurt. And I'm feeling unappreciated. Really, a lot of the questions was, well, what about me? What about me? And hey, that's a great need because you are important. And we're not belittling your feelings in any way, but we're reminding you of your responsibilities because there's nothing more the enemy wants us to get than self-centered and self-serving that it becomes all about us because when it becomes about me and my needs, I forget about you and your needs. But as I meet your needs, guess what happens? You'll begin to meet my needs. That's how God intended relationships to be. There's not a me in we. Come on, it's a we thing, not a me thing. Marriage is not an I thing, it's an us thing. And you've got to begin to realize that. Well, my feelings and and my this and... and, Yeah, that's, that's true. You have those feelings and that's great. But guess what? Watch that your feelings don't take you to places where you have no business of being. Because when we don't get our needs met, we're on the verge or we're very close to finding a place where we're just going to shut down and not meet the needs of other people. It's a dangerous place. So that's the four levels of communication. But did you know there's four barriers of communication? Research has shown us that there's four barriers, that these four things are the number one cause and reason for divorce. The first one is this, when we withdraw. Have you ever been in that place? Well, you just kind of withdraw from that situation. When you kind of go into what's called shutdown mode, you just kind of shut off. You're kind of there, but you're not there. When you withdraw from each other, men tend to do this more than women. Men tend to not want to talk about it. But remember, she has a need that you don't have. 
So she's trying to talk about it because she wants to connect. She's moving towards you because she wants to connect. And when you shut her off, she thinks that you're personally mad at her. She can't compute that and can't accept that. So when it's natural for us as men most of the time to move away, she wants to be held in close and brought in close. So we've got to watch the withdrawal. We've got to watch the silent treatment. Anyone been a part of that? You aren't going to put your hands up. Come on, the tight sheets. Anyone, anyone been in that tight sheets? You're laying there, and I'm not even going to touch their heel, because if I touch their heel, I lose. I'm just going to stay over this side of the bed, and I'm not going to move. I'll show them. Yeah, you showed them a lot because if you win, you both lose. It's like a great story. Are you ready? There was a husband and wife. They were playing the silent. They'd been silent with each other for like three days and neither of them wanted to give in. The husband had a business appointment and he had to be up early at 4.30 in the morning to be able to go and catch a flight. And so he was determined to win. So he left his wife a little note beside her sink when she cleaned her teeth. And it says, I need to be up at 4.30 in the morning to catch a flight. He wasn't going to say it, so he just wrote it and he left it there. And he goes to bed, tight sheets. He's staying away, nothing close. And all of a sudden he wakes up and it's 9 a.m. He looks over the clock and he's freaked out and he turns to her and says, I thought you were supposed to wake me at 4.30. And she points over to the corner of the room and standing is a piece of paper that says, wake up, it's 4.30. (laughs) Come on, guys, you know you ain't going to win the silent treatment. You know you ain't going to. But we can laugh about that. But that's how silly it can become many times. It begins a barrier between us that we withdraw just a little bit from each other. And then there's the next level. It's the escalation. When things begin to escalate, this is where the tempers begin to rise. The volume increases. When we feel the need to stress the point more and we have heated fellowship. Listen to me. Even if you get your way, but their heart doesn't receive it, you're still not going to win and you're both going to lose. Let me say that. Even if you get your way, but their heart does not receive it, you're not going to win. And you're both going to lose. Well, I'm going to just tell it and this is how it's going to be. And I'm going to. It's not going to be good because escalation begins the danger level where we then begin to use words which are powerful to begin to hurt each other, harm each other. And then we say things that we don't really mean, which leads us to the third barrier. And that is this belittling each other belittling them, to put others down with our words. Anyone feeling convicted already by this message? By being in the fight or by being in the place that you are in the first place, guess what's happened? You've already lowered yourself. So instead of elevating your position and responding in the correct manner, we choose to lower them. Because if we lower them with our words and put them down, we still feel like we're on top and we're still winning. But we're not winning anything. Because what's happening is we're both going in the wrong direction. I've realized this, hurt people hurt people. And hurt people say hurtful words. And we can become critical during these times. And many times being critical is just to mask our insecurities. 
to hide what's really going on in us because it's so much easier to put someone else down yet never change yourself. I want to say that one more time. It's so much easier to put someone else down yet never change ourselves. And many times we can even get to a place where we don't even see the need to to change because we're perfect that we have it all together, that they're the one that's the problem. If it wasn't for them, my life would be complete, blissful, happy. Come on, parents, we say that about kids. Kids say that about parents. Husbands say that about wives. It goes on and on and on, the crazy cycle. My life would be complete without them. Well, guess what? Your life cannot be complete without them because they belong to you. So you've got to find that completion together and work through things together. Take account for your words because the Bible says with your words you can either build up or you can tear down. And here's the fourth level, the barrier that will cause us to separate. And that is what they call false belief. False belief. What is that? When you begin to believe and accept that which is not even real. You make things up in your mind. I cannot believe they did that to me. They didn't. You just fabricated that in your mind and you are writing them off instead of writing them in. Our minds are so powerful when we create realities that didn't even happen. And we've got plenty of help with this. You know who helps us with this? The devil. We've got demonic help with that because the devil will fabricate things in our minds. How do we know that? Because John 8.44 tells us exactly who he is. Look at the last part. It says this. John 8.44 says this words. He is a liar and he is the father of all lies. Satan uses false belief to destroy you and your future. So, pastor, what do we do? How can I communicate to my dream? How can I speak right? How can I be right? How can I take my relationship where it needs to be, resist and avoid the barriers that will divide and cause problems? We've got to do it God's way. We've got to turn to God's word because God's word is not silent. And the Bible is full of warnings to guard our mouths and our tongues. Turn to Matthew 12, verse 33 to 37 says this. Either make the tree good or its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many times have you said, oh, 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 they didn't really mean that. They've got a good heart. Listen, if their mouth is not good, their heart's not good. Because the Bible says the heart determines what comes out of the mouth. If there's problems in the mouth, the root is the heart. The source is the heart. You've got to get it right in the heart. They don't have a good heart. They have a foul mouth and their foul mouth is because they have a bad heart. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you, Jesus said, that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, not someone else's words, not something that someone else made you do, because no one ever made you do that. You chose to do it. For by your words, you will either be justified or by your words, you will be condemned 
In other words, they're either going to bring salvation or damnation. Message Bible of that last verse says this. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning because words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can either be your salvation or words can be your damnation. Personally, your words can be your salvation or damnation. In your relationships, your marriage, in your homes, in the life of other people, your words can be salvation or damnation. So what are you communicating? What are you speaking? Salvation? Damnation? Genesis 1 verse 3, we see that God comes into a chaotic state. The earth was without form and void. And the Bible says this of Genesis 1 verse 3, then God said, let there be light. What did God do? God spoke. And when God spoke, what happened? Light appeared. Light begun. Light is still going out because God has spoken. God didn't work creation. He spoke creation. And you got to realize, I know we ain't God, but we're in the image and likeness of God. And we can frame the world around us by the words we speak. I so believe that. That we can create the environment around us by the words that we have coming out of our mouths. We can also be a product of the words that have been spoken over us. I'm so blessed to have godly parents and a godly influence, godly cousins and families and teachers and leaders. One time when I was back in England, I thanked everyone who stood up and taught us in Sunday school, Sunshine Corner, Elevens Up, all the clubs that we were a part of because I wasn't the easiest kid to teach. Just be honest with you. I wasn't the easiest kid to teach. But I thanked them for the godly example that they gave and spoke into my lives. Why? Because I'm a product of those words today. But even though all the positivity and the great things that are spoken over my life, I can still hear the words of Mr. Cullingford when I was 10 years of age in English and I handed in a paper and he put back on the top of that paper, you have no imagination and you will never be able to write. Nearly every time I sit down to write anything, the words of Mr. Cullingford I can still hear. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But what have I chosen to do? I've chosen not to let those words rule my life and carry weight over my life every time. And I remind myself that, come on, I am an overcomer through Christ Jesus. And I can do all things that God has asked me to do through God who gives me the strength. Come on, we can't erase those words, but we can replace those words. We can change the outcome of those words. And we can say, I'm going to take what people labeled as a failure and I'm going to show them success in the name of Jesus. I don't do it for pride or I don't do it for position. I do it to give God all the glory with our lives. So choose to speak life. Begin to create a new world today. Start today. So as I finish this message, just really quickly, I want to give you seven types of best communication. Because we've talked about the levels. We've talked about the problems, the barriers. But how can I now use my mouth in the right way to communicate to my dream? Are you ready? Number one, speak words of praise. Begin to speak words of praise. Find a quality inside of them that you will begin to highlight with your words. 
Here's something I wrote down. Look at this. Speak what you see in them, not what you get from them. Think about that. Speak what you see in them, not what you're always getting. An F on a report card may be what you're always getting. Begin to speak in them what you see. Come on, God's hand is upon your life. This isn't who you are. That's what you've maybe done, but you're not that. Begin to speak what you see in them, not what you speak coming from them. I told you I was convicted. This is areas that I've been convicted on. Because it's easier to always address the fault instead of speaking to the person. And as a parent, many times we wanted to address the fault because that's what we are with a spiritual police that's been sent to this earth and we've got to expose it. Yes, you have, but we've got to do it in a way that's not crushing the person who is at fault, but building them up. Proverbs 25.11 says this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. In other words, our words need to be beautiful and they need to be valuable. New Living Translation says our words need to be like golden apples in a silver bowl. Use your words to add value to others. That's the culture we want to create around here. We want people to use their words to praise God, to build this house, to see God. We want people to come in here and hear words of praise over their lives. Number two, words of gratitude. We need to speak thankfulness. We need to be thankful with our words. Look at this. Instead of complaining about what you don't have, be thankful you haven't got what you deserve. And every one of us deserve a whole lot less than what we have right now. You may think you deserve more. Begin to thank God for what you have and a thankful heart will take you to what God has for you. Keep being thankful for where you're at because I'm telling you, if you can't be thankful where you're at, how are you going to be thankful when God takes you to the next level? If you can't pay tithes where you're at right now, you'll never pay tithes where God wants to take you. You see, you've got to be faithful and thankful right where you are at. Begin by just saying the word thank you. Thank you. Man as maketh man. I correct this all the time around people. Can you just say thank you? Just, I mean, just be nice. Say that word around you. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you will reap the consequences of what you say. But look at next verse, verse 22. It says, and he who finds a wife finds a what? Not a bad thing. Not a has-been thing. He finds a good thing and he obtains favor from the Lord. You better start speaking what's good about them because God says you got a good thing. You need to start thanking them and start praising them. You can find something to be thankful for and grateful for. And as you begin to speak for that, watch as you have more to be thankful for and grateful for. Be thankful. Give thanks. Because I'm telling you, not much effort is needed to say thank you. But what an incredible value it possesses. Number three, you with me? Openly express your affection. Too many close down. Don't do this. It's not healthy and it's definitely not building. You don't say nothing. You don't speak nothing. It's like the man who married his wife and 50 years later, she says, my husband never tells me he loves me. He said, woman, when I married you, I told you I love you. And if that ever changes, I'll let you know. Don't live like that. Use your words to express 
affection. Use terms of endearment. Say nice things. Say nice things in front of other people, in front of your kids. Don't only just say nice things. Use action of endearment. Come on, be nice. Do nice things for each other. But don't grope your wife. Come on, ladies just want to be held many times. Is that not right? Just want to be held many times. Not just groped. Everything doesn't have to be sexual, guys. Come on, everyone woke up. He said sexual in church. Just love on them. Just love on them. Just love on them. God says boldly in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, New Living Translation, For long ago, said the God of Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. God didn't leave them guessing, did he? He's told them, I love you. God has told you over and over again through his word, I love you, I love you, I love you. What has he done? Openly expressed his affection for you. Do that for other people around you. Say, I love you to them. Mean it. Express that to them. I'm telling you what it will do. Parents, you listen to me, it will bring security to your home. Our kids laugh when they see me and Kelly hugging and kissing each other. They go, child abuse, child abuse. That's our joke in our hands. But we're like, that ain't no child abuse. That's a godly example. And dads, listen to me. If you want to love your kids, the best way you love your kids is love their mother. You love their mom and you will love their kids because it brings... Come on, if you're going to clap, let's do it properly. Let's do it properly. Number four, use words of encouragement. My time is up. Use words of encouragement. Encourage them. There's too much dis instead of n. There's too much discouragement instead of encouragement. Ephesians 4.29, NIV. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Can someone say, help me, Jesus? If you weren't convicted up to now, you, you better be convicted right there. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But what is helpful for building others up according to their need, not their fault, but their need. Come on now. Speak according to their need, not their fault, that it may benefit those who listen. There are no neutral words. They all have power. So try to always encourage. Come on. Come on. Try always to encourage. Speak to what they are not what they do. And doing that will create a world that you will want to live in. Do you know that? If you begin to encourage people, you're going to create a world that you want to live in. Too many people are living in a world they are miserable in. Why? Because they are forming it and framing it by the words they say. Start speaking to the world that you want to live in. It's a lovely day. It's a great day. Come on, you're going to do good today. You're the best. Start speaking to the encouragement of those around. And this isn't just for kids and for spouses. This is for every relationship. Number five, use words of kindness, please. And when we talk about kindness, really we're talking about safe words because kind words create a safe environment, a place where you can have confidence in each other that we're going to be kind and we're not going to be hurtful in what we do. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. I think kindness is often a lot like meekness and very misunderstood because meekness is not weakness. Meekness is controlled strength. And I think kindness can be misunderstood as weakness many times, but it's not. It's a great controlled strength 
that we need to have and a controlled affection that needs to be present in our lives. Number six, learn to speak the truth in love. Notice I didn't say love to speak the truth. A lot of people love to speak the truth, but the Bible says you've got to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. It's okay to say what's wrong. But what gets wrong is when we try to change that person. Listen to me. We try to change that person with our words. We try to change them and make them what they need to be. That's not our job. Because when we try to enforce our words, that's when we have a problem. It's the Holy Spirit's job and God's job to change their lives. But we speak that truth in love. We correct as parents. We correct. But we can't change their heart. Listen to me. We speak the truth over their lives and we lead them in the right path. Look at the scripture from John 1, 14 says this. And Jesus, it speaks of Jesus. Look at the last part. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. That was something different because all they knew of that time was just a law. It was just a truth. Here's what you needed to do. But Jesus said, hold on a second. I'm coming to speak grace and truth. I'm coming to bring grace to the truth. Why? Because truth is you've got to do this. But grace says, here's a way of escape. And Jesus became our way of escape. People couldn't change under the law, the truth, but they could change through truth, now extending grace to them. Look at this statement. Truth without grace is just mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. We need to have them both. It's okay to be correct but we give the truth in grace. Anyone convicted? And last but not least, number five, number seven, pray, pray, pray. Use your words to pray. Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Just pray about it. When people come to me and say, Pastor, will you remember I'm having surgery on a Wednesday? Would you pray for me? You know what I normally say to people? Let's just pray right now. Because I'm human. I, I mean to pray for you on Wednesday, but I may forget. But I'm going to pray right now. In every circumstance, it's amazing how we can diffuse a hostile circumstance by just praying. When you're in a dispute with your spouse, those who are close to you, a heated fellowship, when there's struggle, when there's unrest, I wonder what would happen if you just took their hands and said, can we just pray right now? Can we just pray right now? Can we just pray right now? Because what are we doing? We are creating a place for God to come. And wherever God is included, we will never be disappointed. So we need to pray. We need to use our words to pray. Parents, you need to be praying over your children every day. And if you don't know what to pray, we've got a parent's prayer for you on the table out there. And it's five things that we're telling you to pray over your kids every day. Pray for those around you. Speak words of life. Lots of information to know today, I know. Practical truths, painful truths. But they are doable for every one of us. So how are we going to communicate to my dream? That's my dream. That's the best that God has for me, my spouse, my children, those things around me. What am I doing to speak to my dream? What am I doing to communicate to that? Am I speaking salvation or am I speaking damnation? Would you bow your heads all over this place? Am I speaking salvation or damnation? What am I speaking? What am I speaking? As every head is bowed and 
every eyes closed. I, I, there's probably a few needs that we need to speak to today. Maybe you're the person right now that needs to be healed because of the words that have been spoken over you or spoken to you. That today you just need to make room for God to heal you today from those things. Or maybe we're on the other side where we need to be repenting from our words. That we need to retake responsibility for our mouths and not just stop saying the wrong things, but start saying the right things. To receive the forgiveness that we need from those that we are hurting as we ask them to forgive us. To forgive us. Because one other scripture today, James 4.17 says this, to him who knows to do good, And does not do it. To him that is sin. Come on, you know. The words, the actions, the response of your life is perhaps not right. But if you don't change it. God says, and you don't work towards that. Then that's sin. That's sin. It's not right. And sin is always a separating factor from God. And. That's maybe why relationships aren't where they need to be, because there's a separating factor that God has not been included in our relationships, in the way we're bringing our children. And again, it's so easy to see, well, I don't have that need. But what if someone else does? Could I just ask you all to stand right now and just keep your heads closed, your eyes closed even and your heads bare? I knew that didn't sound right in my head. You need to open your head, open your mind, not have a closed mind. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.